With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Tuned Into Tennis. I'm your host, Miles David. And today, during our U.S. Open Daily Podcast review series, I'm actually thrilled to be joined by somebody who's been on the grounds. Unlike me, I have to say I'm a little bit a little bit jaded and a little bitter, I guess, because I'm not there this year. But Anastasia, who... I've actually been really enjoying, not just saying this for the for the record of the podcast, I've been really enjoying your commentary, like your pictures, all the things I see on Twitter. And then honestly, our interaction on Talking Tennis on YouTube has like made me be like, oh, wait, this is somebody else I can kind of like dive into the world of tennis with and we get we get each other. So welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm finally on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a podcast of your own? I do have a podcast called Non-Traditional um, that I started during the pandemic. It hasn't been going up yet. Um, it's kind of on a hiatus because I was busy with work. But let's see. Maybe I'll come back. <laughs> I understand. If anybody's listening to this and has been a fan of Tune Into Tennis, hiatuses are unfortunately part of the course. But, you know, we <laughs> we, we move forward. Hopefully yes, there's no more hiatus um, for the rest of the season. But we had a little mini hiatus because I didn't do a uh, direct reaction after day three. This is where your insight analysis comes in because you were on the grounds. Were you on the grounds for the day and night session of day three? Um, pretty much. Kind of, sort of. Pretty much you can say a little bit. I wasn't technically in sort of the, the show court night sessions. But because these are the first weeks of, of a slam, what usually happens is you have a ground pass and there you are at eight o'clock, 9 p.m. You're still on the ground watching the yep. daytime matches. So yep. that's so technically, yes, I was there for night sessions. in court. I missed I missed the buzz, like the buzz of the first week. I was just talking to somebody that um, it lives in New Jersey or something. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hop, skip and a jump. And they're more of the mindset. Oh, yeah, I'll catch them on Labor Day going into the second week. 
I love the fact that even though it kind of sucks sometimes because you miss some crucial moments, I love like the kid in the candy store vibe. The fact that there's so many matches going on and like eating. The only thing I really care about is like maybe having a little bit of buzz (laughs) during the matches. But other than like the eating and stuff, I'll get to that when I get back to my hotel, hotel, you know, so. Exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, I've seen um, a little bit of conversation on Twitter about like the the attendance were mm-hmm. breaking records this year at the U.S. Open, um, and it's just like those first few weeks of tennis where first of all you're just like I do not have enough eyes, I don't yep. have enough eyes. <laughs> to see all of these matches, I'm trying, but it's real tough. So you just you do kind of give up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been also listening to a few podcasts and catching up on stuff, and I'll hear about a match. I'm like, that happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> How is this person in the third round? What happened? You know, how did they get there? So um, you do definitely, you need more eyes. You wish you could have more eyes. But the vibes in the first week, people on the outside courts who are just mm-hmm. living for every moment. You can't, you, you can't, um, you can't replicate it. And I think a very great example of that was court 17 on day three. I love that court. It, I bottle it up and just like, let me carry it for my whole, and just like <laughs> every time I feel sad, I'm just going to like open up the bottle and be like court 17 on day three of the U S open 2023 was lit. Okay. Before I go, go into your court 17 <laughs> experience, my court 17 experience back in 2021 was pretty fruitful because I saw the eventual champion that I did not know before was going to be the eventual champion, really? Radakanu. Oh, wow. She played she played Stephanie Vogelay, I believe, okay. in Court 17. And I was like, I sat there and I was like, this is a really nice seat. But I just, for whatever reason, maybe because I hadn't been before and that was my first year, 17 did not sound like a spot you wanted to be at. Yeah. But it's absolutely a spot. If you are not one of those people that like cares about some of the higher marquee names in on Ash and Armstrong, 17 is definitely the spot to be. Yeah, and technically it's the fourth big fourth. court. Yeah. So it definitely has that sort of stadium, coliseum vibe, but it's mm-hmm. small. So everyone's just right there and very intimate. So and and you know, you're you can see it's really great viewing experience. If you want to watch tennis, um, it's, it's really, really great. And I think that's something I think shows like this and people who want to start getting into tennis, because even I, I remember when I first moved to New York almost like 12 years ago and I was like, Ooh, I'm finally in a city that has tennis. (laughs) Um, and I was like, I want to go see a, you know, a match at the U S open. Nobody says get a ground pass. Everyone's you got to get Ash tickets. Or you got to get... And they couldn't be more wrong. And they couldn't (laughs) be more wrong. That first week, get a ground pass and enjoy yourself. I agree. And for those that can't see us right now, you're wearing a St. Louis sweatshirt. So that's where you're from, right? St. Louis University. Okay, if anybody's listening to that. What what are are you guys' mascots? Billiken. The what? The Billikens, I know. It's a little elf (laughs) mythical creature. And it's you rub its belly for good luck. Ah, okay. Okay. Did you rub anybody's belly during the US Open for good no, luck? We did not do that. I had to do that. The lane was open. Okay, but let's let's get into the tennis. Day three. Uh we're gonna work a little backwards because we're it's day four now as we speak, but we're gonna talk about day three. What were some impactful matches that kind of have still stuck with you from your time on, on the grounds in day three? I mean feel I, free to shoot anything out. Yeah, I just have to say the Taylor Townsend. And Beatrice had done Maya, which is how I started my day. 
Great way to start. Yeah. Just car- that energy just carried me through all the way through. Um, it was, a, it almost felt like a soccer match because first of all, you had the Brazilian fans and then you had the Americans. So you'd hear Bia, Bia, and then you'd be like, Taylor, Taylor, Bia, Taylor. I, it was crazy. And it's odd because I don't think you get that vibe at any other slam, maybe Australia um, or tournament, really. So seeing mm-hmm. that and seeing how players react to that has been also very interesting through this time. But um, Bia was, I mean, she just... She's a professional, isn't she? Such a professional. And just didn't even phase her. Because, again, I get it. When when you're there, just tiny fish in a big pond, and Mm -hmm. you have a New York crowd just screaming your opponent's name, um, I I can imagine how tough it could be. But she handled it well. Taylor played phenomenally. Like, you could see. and, And this is the thing about watching tennis that close on these like smaller courts is you see all their facial reactions and you mm-hmm. could see Taylor in that first. She was like, I'm going to win. She dug in. Yeah. It was like, I am going to win. And there was no second option. And it mm. was just phenomenal watching her execute that plan. Um, so yeah, court 17, that first match definitely stuck with me um, throughout the night. And, and the only other second best match or maybe something that matched it was the last match I watched on 17, which was Mm -hmm. Tommy Paul and Roman Safulin, which was, yes, you know, again, after that first match on 17, I think I left court 17 and I was like, the Americans are going to win. So let me just go, (laughs) let me go explore. (laughs) So imagine my surprise when first of all, and I think we'll talk about this later also, um, that Chris Eubanks, unfortunately mm-hmm. lost his match and then i see tommy paul is down two sets i was like i gotta get back inexplicably they need I, me. small small plug i actually signed on to a an application called playback mm-hmm. um uh, i don't know are you familiar with no it? i'm not no got you so it's kind of like what we do sometimes on uh twitter spaces but there's an actual component of being able to watch that live game that we're talking about Mm -hmm. people can come onto the stage and have general conversation and like kind of be our own commentators when the match is starting they reached out to me shout out to bradley and i don't want to mispronounce his name he's he's a director of uh, membership at playback and they reached out to me to kind of get the tennis conversation going during the u.s open i'll put a link in the description of this podcast to uh, become a member it's totally free and fun but I bring all of that up to say Tommy Paul's match against Romy Safulin was one of the options that was in the drop down list. And I was like, oh, OK, Tommy Paul's had a pretty decent hardcore summer. He made the semifinals of Toronto. Let's see what happens. And he's in a pretty, pretty good section of the draw. I think he's let me let me double check. I think he's near where Ben Shelton is. He's yeah. yes, yes, yes. His he's he's was he was in the section that lost Hogaruna on the first day. Yeah. So that's 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 some some space to kind of do some damage. And lo and behold, he's down two sets to Roman Safulin, and it wasn't all Tommy Paul's fault because Safulin has great timing and can really like sting the ball on both of his ground strokes. But Tommy Paul just didn't look. Um, I don't want to say he didn't look invested, but he he looked just behind the eight ball a bit. Yeah. So. I, as soon as I signed off to go do something else, he started to come back. And I was like, okay, maybe it was me. <laughs> well, maybe it was me. I was on an outside court and saw he was down two sets. And I was like, I need to get there. 
Yeah. He needs me. Let's go. And are you a big Tommy fan? Not really. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so in a, I was like, it's nothing against Roman Sapphilin, but I was right. like, this is your moment to mm-hmm. go far in the U S open. And I am someone who watched, who was there at the Taylor Fritz match last year where he lost in the first round. To Brandon Holt. To Brandon, to yeah. Brandon Holt. Tracy Austin's son, oh. who, yeah. <laughs> so Much respect. but Much yeah. respect. But it was, you know, you're just rooting for these guys to finally make a breakthrough on the anniversary of the 20 years since the last American male won at the U.S. Open. Yeah. You know, you're rooting for them. And I think I got on the court just as he was leaving for his bathroom break. And man, Tommy came back from that bathroom break, a new man. And, you know, I think he said something that I picked up on in his post-match press conference that he had kind of maybe this is an insight to kind of how he looks at tennis. But he said something. Maybe it's a one off comment. Maybe it's not. But he said that it wasn't going to be a highlight reel kind of day. So he figured he might as well just dig in and get every ball back and see where that kind of gives him further in the match. So that makes me think, does he does he go out to his matches and try to create a highlight reel instead of being strategic to beat his opponent on that day? That makes me wonder. But he does have the athletic reserves to be able to kind of, like he said, get every ball back and ask the po- opponent across the net the question, can you close this out? And Roman Safun is a good player, but like in that part of the draw, it's kind of on charter territory. Although he did make the quarters or so of Wimbledon, uh, the last Grand Slam. I think he beat Shapovalov, which right. that's a, that's the kind of player that really doesn't ask the questions of you because they're not consistent, athletic, but won't necessarily get that extra ball back. Tommy Paul does that, so he kind of asks the question. Roman Safulin ultimately said, you know, no, I can't close this out, even though I'm up two sets to love. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad he did that, but, you know, it's not... So I feel, how do you feel about this? Like players getting tested early on in matches, is that good for them in terms of like being able to know that you have the grit and reserves to come out from precarious situations or is it more time underneath your legs, which may hurt you further on, you know? I think it's good for certain players. Mm -hmm. For Tommy in this particular case, I do think it was good for him. Mm -hmm. Um, He... He, he has never come from two sets to love down ever. In, oh, wow. In I didn't know that. That was the, his first time. Oh, wow. So okay. it was, I think it was his first time out of 10. So mm. nine times before he always lost. <laughs> and, and and this was his 10th try and he, and he did it. So a battle like that is good for him, I think. I think it, it, it especially considering his next opponent, who is um, <laughs> FDA. <laughs> Not FDA, um, ADF, sorry. Davidovich um, Fakina. Yeah, yeah, who is a wily guy. And mm-hmm. it, I, lo- <laughs> I love the way he plays. I do not know why he loves the ground so much. Like you don't have to. <laughs> the diving, eat. yeah. You really don't, but he just loves it. So he can be quite tricky. So mm-hmm. knowing that you can dig deep and just play tennis, just just tennis, you know, it's something I wanted to tell people like Alcaraz sometimes, just, just play the tennis. <laughs> don't need to be on ESPN today. It's okay. It's, you know, it's Roman Sofiulin. Like maybe if you're in the quarterfinals, then let's. Yes. Yeah. Wait till you get to the cameras are really on you then. Yeah. yeah and then, then you're like, you know, drop shot, you know, backflip, <laughs> whatever you need to do. But round two, just get, just get through it. Just get do the work. It. Yeah. So I think um, 
that was really good for him. And the crowd, you know, it, talking about early crowds at slams, I've seen the crowd take a few players over the finish line in, in just four days already. Um, and he really needed the crowd um, yesterday. That's good. I'm glad that they, I mean, he seems like an easy enough guy to root for, especially in that middle middle generation that we're in maybe it's the current generation but we're clearly seeing a generation go forth and retire and go on to the next chapter i.e jack sock and john isner mm-hmm. who played their last singles and doubles matches today and we'll get on to that a little bit because i don't know if you saw yeah any of their matches okay mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a some little bit. of it but you know what about any of the women's matches on day three? I think the biggest headline um, out of like the entire day of tennis was Wozniacki's win over Kvitova on Arthur Ashe. Um, that was like their 15th or 16th time playing. It felt definitely like 2010 vibes. And I'm happy for Wozniacki. But and actually, I was going to say something mi- super profound but i don't think so because because kavitova the only thing that i I took from that was that wozniacki is still the backboard that she is and she makes herself a difficult opponent to beat but kavitova just didn't seem like she was very invested like you know she's very good for a poached or something like that none of that she was just very almost too even keel and i don't think the atmosphere of the u.s open really benefits her game i think it's a little bit too much for her no and she's only been to like a quarterfinal here or something like that so that may be part of the reason yeah i saw a post from her um and it, it started with something like this wasn't a happy u.s open for me and yeah. for some reason you know i think you could just see that as like oh that was the loss so that's why it wasn't a happy but it just seemed a little bit more general Mm-hmm. Um, in a way. So I think she probably just wasn't feeling this exact tournament, uh, tournament a little bit. Um, and yeah, in terms of Waz, you know, I think she, I watched her, the her, I watched her first match. Um, and you know, she, she plays good tennis. It's not my favorite yeah. game of tennis. And like, <laughs> and she keeps, you know, she keeps moving and I'm like, good for her again. I really do think, and I think she's almost confirmed this a little bit in some of her press conferences, but I really do think she woke up one day and she was like, you know what? I got this girl. It's like, I know having the having the bird's eye view that she had for ESPN all those years, she probably called a lot of matches against players but she was just like I they're not, yeah they're not doing anything i can't do it even at 33 like this is not something that was not within my grasp yeah maybe if i come up against you know Swiatek or Sabalenka, things may be a little bit different, but she's actually played Sabalenka before. She caught Sabalenka right on the rise, I yeah. believe, mm-hmm. and not Sabalenka that's world number two, challenger for world number one. So the rest of the field, she, <laughs> she's like, I mean, I've been here before and you guys have not. So I have the intelligence, the experience. My game has not completely left me and let's give it a go before my kids get, you know, well into that deep age of school where I kind of have to be more, um, I guess, hands-on, just, you know, still, you know? Yeah. So it's, like you said, it's not the most, like, turn on my television, have-to-watch kind of performances from her, but I do appreciate that um, tennis is clearly something that she loves, Mm -hmm. and and she's doing it now um, because she loves it. Right. There's something about tennis players, you know, of a certain generation who are still out here playing Murray, 
of mm-hmm. Renka. They don't, they're, it's not like they're doing it for, I mean, to some extent they're doing it for ranking points so they can get better seedings at tournaments, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, they don't need the money. They don't, you know, yeah. they, they've had a full career. So they're truly doing it for the love of tennis and wanting to be an athlete and just having that sort of drive, which I love. So yeah. with Waz, I do think, I love that about her comeback. I, I, I'm, dying for this like narrative I've made up in my head that I don't even know if it's true (laughs) because that sort of, sort of um, it's not aggression, but almost sort of a, a, like a, you know, look at me. I'm, I I am the best. I I was number one. You know, I I Mm -hmm. love that sort of like, I'll, I'll, I can beat you. I'm going to beat you. I think women's, especially, you know, women's tennis, I think it needs a little bit more of that tennis in general, really, because sometimes you see people come onto court and they're like, Oh, that person it looks ho hum. You yeah, look like, yeah, like whatever. That person higher ranked, and I don't know if I could do it. And you're like, no, get out there and beat that other person. That's yeah. We have our we have our shoes tied up the exact same way. Like that's why they have to go out and play the matches. And you have to you. It starts with believing that you can do it. Exactly. You know, even if you're playing number one in your 158. You know, right. So right. Totally. Um. Any other women's matches that stuck with you? Uh. From day three. You know, it was nice watching uh, Darius Saville push Iga a little bit. You know, yeah. that was nice. I I don't particularly like watching Iga matches only because <laughs> they seem so one-sided. And that's not why I watch tennis. I, I want a gladiator-type fight. And, like, mm-hmm. e- even if you're losing, I feel it. And that's what it was with Daria. Like, she wasn't winning. But you know she was going to try. She was going to try her darnest, you know, t- to win. And, and so, so that was really nice to see. Um, and that was pretty much it because I was, I was kind of following the American men around, um, the, the stadium on, on day three. So I didn't really see a lot of women's matches other than those two. The most hyped quote unquote American woman also played Coco Golf. Mm-hmm. She played Mira Andreva and I didn't see much of that match either. I didn't see it at all. I kind of, I kind of was one of, I don't know if I should stop doing this, what? but in my in my tenure as a tennis fan, sometimes I like say a little prayer before the, the match or before the day happens yeah. uh, the, the day before. And I, and Mira Andreva isn't necessarily like a super threat, but the fact that she took a set off of Coco in the French Open made me be like, Coco, I probably won't be up at 11 a.m. sharp or alert to the television at 11 a.m. sharp, but do your best. <laughs> and I was happy to see that it was very workmanlike and from everybody else that kind of was there and commentated and stuff like that. She played in, at an elite level that made people be like, kind of not that she wasn't a favorite to come in, but like, Oh, this is the actual tennis that you're playing to be a potential U S open champion. Cause last round against Laura uh, Sigmund was scratchy yeah. to say the least, you know? Yeah. So, no. Um, I, I, so I saw Coco in DC. I saw her final uh, where she won and yeah, it was, it was so great. I mean, it was mind blowing. I was like, who is this person? Like it just, <laughs> it was a different human being. So seeing that, seeing the rest of the North American swing before the U S open and also, also watching Mira Andreva cause Mira Andreva didn't come until a little bit later. Um, didn't seem like she was having fun on the hard court, mm-hmm. little, you know, really even her first round match before Coco, it was kind of like, eh. So, I, you know, there are just some matches that I see and I'm like, ah, you know, unless lightning strikes, I think I know exactly <laughs> good on how that this one. is going to yeah. go. And that was mm-hmm. me with the Coco and Mira match. I was like, Coco's going to win this. Like, just from what I've seen post-US Open on the hard court swing, I was just like, eh, 
you know, literally unless Mira is inspired from the gods today, she's, <laughs> she's just not going to pull it off. And, and she didn't, she didn't, you know, I, from the commentary I heard, um, she tried her best. I think there was a rally that everyone was talking about. That was really great from Coco. But other than that, it was like, ah, Coco's playing a, a new style of tennis that everyone's loving. And it should be in a, in a, in a, against an opponent that is uh, as much of a ranking difference as Mira Andreeva is Coco Golf. Even though they're only a couple years apart, Coco has the experience under her belt, and it should be more workmanlike performances in early rounds of Grand Slams with advantageous draws. Exactly. And her and Iga Swiatek are still doing their thing to kind of get to that um, showdown that we want to see. I think it'd be great for women's tennis to see that. And, and totally, yeah. The winner is going to have a great option to go forth and lift that title. Um, let's. I'm looking at the draw to see if there's anybody else that I wanted to bring up before we hop over to day four. Um, nothing super pops out. So that's that's. Oh, let me stick to the top half because that was yesterday. Uh, we talked about Taylor Townsend. Mukova, Muhova, excuse me, is working her way through the draw, and that's who Taylor Townsend plays in the third round on Friday. Yeah. So that's that should be a very interesting My match. First match tomorrow. It's gonna be, yeah. Oh, that's your first match tomorrow. Okay, yeah. good, good one. Rabakina got a walkover from uh, last year's quarterfinalist Tom Janovich, and I haven't seen <laughs> Rabakina hit a ball yet at the U.S. Open, but she's in the third round. She won her first round over Kostic very easily, and now she takes on Kirstea in the third round. So that's that's a little bit of interesting. And oh, 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 American Jennifer Brady. Okay. <laughs> I am happy for two reasons, because I don't know what it is about the aesthetics of her forehand, but it gets me. She ties me in. She ties me in, and I love to see her smack it. And she just has a um, a jock about her that I enjoy watching. Total jock. And yes, I, I, I enjoy that. And she has been working with Shanae Perry in the box this week, which I thought was amazing. Oh, um, as a coach yeah. or just advisor or... The way she described it in the post-match press conference when Courtney Wynn of WTA Insider asked her, she said it was just this week, but they had been talking about it because Shanae lives in New York. I think she's the assistant director of programs or something at Mount something in Mount New York. Sinai? No. no? It's, it's Mount Sinai a hospital? Yes. I, I, it's not Mount Sinai, but it's a prestigious... Let's Google this really quickly. Hold on. Because <laughs> I had this Sinai pulled up. It does different things to you. Like it's a hospital, but it's a research center. Um, they have a sport. She is okay. I don't know where I got Mount Sinai from. Oh. She is a coach. Let's see where it is. Where it is. She is the uh, no, she's the associate director of high performance for juniors and adult programs at the Cary Lead Center for Tennis and Learning in South Bronx. That's oh. what her exact title is. Okay. Um, so yes, I had to find that. So not Mount um, not, not, I don't know where I get that from. I feel like I know one New York term and I just roll with it. <laughs> but I did know it was in the South Bronx. Nice. And okay. So uh, so she, she doesn't have to go too, too far, I guess, to kind of connect with Jen Brady. And I mean, so far, so good. That, that went over Magdalenette. She started out amazing. She wobbled a little bit, and I think it's because she's she's admitted that in this comeback, which she only started maybe like four or five weeks ago mm-hmm. on the ITF level and, and got a couple wild cards into the U.S. tournaments, um, she's not 100% fit enough to like, from for, by her standards, to really be in drawn-out matches. But she has the weaponry mm-hmm. to knock anybody off the court that comes up against her, I think. Yeah. She plays tomorrow, I think, too. She plays Wozniacki. Yeah. 
I'm interested. That might actually. I'm not sure if U.S. Open is going to give it a night match or like a a, no, a late think, night. No, now I'm thinking about it. It's daytime Ash. Mm, okay. After the Tommy Paul and uh, Fukina match. Oh, those are um, that's on uh, Ash too. Yeah. We were just downing Ash tickets, but I would get an Ash ticket. No, for that. I was just I just did something where I was like, tomorrow might actually be the day for Ash because Ash mm-hmm. has been a dud. Yeah. It's not been super interesting, but you know, I mean, it's, it's the first week of the U S open. So it kind of happens. Hey guys, if you're enjoying today's episode, please take a look at the episode description, support the growth of the show by grabbing a coffee from the link. And while you're at it, be sure to engage with tuned into tennis on social networks, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook is where you can find us. Leave a review. If you like what you're listening to so far, and let's get back to the show. Um, okay, well, I think that's day three. So let's move forward to where we are today. Yeah. Day four. Um, d- should we work backwards and check the score of that Medvedev match? That was oh, the last so second we round match. So while were talking, you might have seen that I was looking <laughs> at my screen a little bit. It's because mm-hmm. O'Connell, it went to a tie break and O'Connell won the tie break. Oh, so they're in a fourth set. They're in a fourth set. Medvedev, let's, let's just talk about it for a second. Because Medvedev, Usually, in the time frame that I've known of Medvedev as a tennis player, this is where he shines. Yes, yeah. Not, 2019, I'm not sure I would have said I, I knew what Medvedev played like until he beat Djokovic in Cincinnati in 2019. Mm. Maybe knew his name, didn't know how he played. But from that 2019 Cincinnati to the U.S. Open that he made the final of and had a, a magnificent run that was entertaining to watch, to now, this part of the season, especially on the quicker North American hard courts, is where he's made his big bucks. Yeah. This year, he kind of did the opposite. Like, the beginning of the season was rough. He lost to Sebastian Corda in Australia. But after that, he went on the tear. He won, like, four tournaments in a row, wasn't it? Like, Doha, Dubai. Dubai. Um, he lost in the semis to Indian. I think he lost to uh, Alcaraz in, in Indian Wells. He did. Yes, he in the final. Alcaraz in, at Indian Wells. But before that, he was coming up from some crazy streak. That yeah, Remember yeah. the whole lead up to to Indian Wells was like, well, Medvedev continue the streak. And like, when all <laughs> the hardcore specialist. Yeah, yeah. hardcore specialist stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think he did have a really great beginning of the year, but he, he he's kind of faltered a little bit. I'm very surprised by his current. Me too. I'm, I can't put my finger on it because it's not like he said, hey, this is an injury or like right. a small thing that's happening. And his game is, you pretty much know what you're going to get with Medvedev. So it's and maybe that's working against him. Maybe we've maybe we've maybe we've, maybe we've debunked the code. Everyone kind of knows, and he has plenty of footage on him now because he's he's been a top player for a couple of years now. People maybe have a more firm play on how to go up against him. They did, you know? and in this particular match, because I I was watching some of it, um, and I don't know how much you want to go into the sickness that's happening right now. Oh, we can go there because that's clearly a <laughs> around clearly, uh, New York, <laughs> clearly a thing. Um, at least the U.S. Open, but you know, I think O'Connell started this match serving and volleying, like he was coming to the net. He was like, because that's that's what you do with Medvedev now. It's mm-hmm. like that's the game plan that everyone's learned. But he just looked off. He wasn't hitting it. He wasn't hitting his his shots. And, you know, cue the, the, the physio. The physio came onto court, looked at him for a little bit. O'Connell, right? O'Connell. Not Medvedev? Gotcha. O'Connell. Um, and that was at the end of the second set. And he came into the third, you know, I – 
unfortunately I was like, Oh no, is he going to retire? This is crazy. But then Mm -hmm. he came into the third set and then all of a sudden lit up and the shots were hitting and the shots were working. He broke Medvedev and then it got into a tide break, which he won. Um, Mm -hmm. And he went to the bathroom I was just all watching this with no sound, so I don't know what exactly happened. But O'Connell went to the bathroom, and then Medi called the physio in. Hmm. <laughs> so I was like, "What's happening?" The physios are busy tonight. The physios are busy with the antacid uh, tablets or something because, like you, like you, were, like you said, there's something going on because. From Anj Jabor's first round match, she looked super uncomfortable. She said audibly, like the mics picked up. I feel like I'm going to puke. I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that I don't know if that was the humidity in New York or just something. But Anj Jabor is I don't think she does games. No. Like, she's one of those people that gets a lot. A lot of stuff happens no, on the court to her. She's clearly sick. Um, yeah. Her post press conference today, she was coughing throughout it. Mm. <laughs> so she's she's clearly sick and has the flu, which. I, I have a that doesn't bode well for my U.S. Open winner prediction because I picked her to win. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems like she's getting better as because the first day was worse. The second day she looked a little better today, but she still has the cough. So maybe it's something she's working through, and she'll be better as as the tournament goes on. Um, but no, th- so there has just been a lot of sickness. You know, if we want to quickly go back to day three, we had um, Dominic Team who had mm-hmm. to retire. I mean, he was been Shelton. Yeah. He it looked like he was gonna throw up on court. Um and during um the court seventeen craziness, apparently Chris Eubanks had to make a quick dash to the bathroom. Like he literally gave up literally and yeah. was like he ran away. Um so there was <laughs> that. Um if we want to go to today, I was watching Ubi Urkacz with uh, Jack Draper, and Ubi mm-hmm. looked like he was going to faint on court. Like mm-hmm. it, people are, and and you know, there's one thing to be sick, but these they look really bad, and, and it looks similar because it doesn't. Yeah, it, it's not it doesn't it's not giving heat stroke, which has well, happened in New York before, yeah. but like it gives like everybody got a bad batch of like sushi or something. Oh you know, God, that's exactly what I was saying. And then <laughs> they cut to. I was literally thinking of that tonight. And then they cut to a photo of Ange Bor cycling after her match, eating sushi. And I was like, don't eat this. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) But while we were talking about this, my mind goes back to several tournaments where we saw one of our favorite players, the legendary Serena Williams, literally be keeled over. And somehow she got the trophy in her hand. So everybody is in Serena Williams now. But. It's possible. it's possible, and I think, and I think it gives you an extra intrigue of thing, of things to look at. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, can they battle themselves and the opponent? And sometimes, in a weird way, that actually makes you focus. Yeah, you know? yeah. On just the task at hand, and realize, look, like the, life can't get any worse, so I might as well go out here and play some good tennis, you know? Right, and be in and out a little bit, you know. Um, on on um, Louis Armstrong today, Sinner and Sonego um, played their match. They left without. You know, signing any autographs or shaking hands. They 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 left the court like weren't both of them. <laughs> both of them, both of them. Sinner won, Sinner lost, and they were like weren't. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's it's getting around the players' lounge, and you know, they don't know where it's from. Probably they're like, is it the crowd? Is it the people? Is it the food? Is it what is it? Um, and because I saw that, and I was like. I was here during fan week. Sinner was signing everything and mm-hmm. doing that. So it was very strange for him to win his match and then just exit the court. And he's a guy that's shown already just this season alone that like physicality and 
health isn't always on his side. So that's yeah. probably why he's taking extra, extra precautions. Yeah, no, totally, totally. So, you know. And, he, and he's a contender, I think, on paper to at least get to the quarterfinals again in Fez Alcaraz. And he's looking good. You know, yeah. he, his matches so far, including the one today, straight sets, very decisive wins, no stumbles or anything like that. So he's definitely looking good. I think his first cha- real challenge, I think, is his next match. I can't remember now. Let's see. The draw is right here. Let's look at it. paper who it is, but. He's in the top half. Oh, it's Warenka. Yeah. Stan Warenka. Yeah, so that, that could be a challenge, but I mean, I feel like if... You know, Stan tonight was conducting the crowd as he always does after <laughs> his win. So he's feeling good. Um, I think... And a former champion. People kind of forget that he's the former champion of, yep. the, of the U.S. Open. Yep. And after today, which now he's in the third round, he's now the oldest man, male player, to ever be in the third round of the U.S. Open since the 60s or something. Since Connors, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. But isn't it crazy, at least in my mind, when I see footage of of Connors making that run at the U.S. Open, he looked like his age. And Stan Rinka doesn't look like the guy that was winning slams three, three years in a row, but he also doesn't the fact of that, like he's the oldest guy in the yeah. open air to do that, it doesn't seem that doesn't way, you know. I guess right. maybe maybe shout out to uh, technology and like recovery and all that <laughs> stuff because when when Jimmy Connors was doing it, it felt like I was watching a thirty almost forty year old doing his stuff. Stan Wawrinka, uh, you know, a little closer to thirty, yeah. not thirty seven or whatever his age is. <laughs> um, we mentioned uh, Yannick Sinner looking good, and he's on a collision course with Alcaraz, who played tonight. Um, he played the first match on Arthur Ashe. He beat Lloyd Harris mm-hmm. in three sets. Yeah. First two sets were pretty workmanlike, businesslike. Third set, he got sloppy. It got to a tie break. And I'm happy that he was able to close that out because mm-hmm. I feel like Alcaraz that played in Cincinnati or Toronto would have dropped that set. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, so th- I've... I've been watching him now. I remember the very first time I noticed him was at the U.S. Open when he beat Tsitsipas. And oh, we have to get to him too. Yeah, <laughs> we forgot about we him. We get to him. <laughs> but um, and I was like, who's this kid? And I remember buying tickets to see his next match, which was the quarterfinals with FAA, and he had to pull out for a groin injury. But I was mm-hmm. like, I I just loved his energy and just the way he, you could feel that he loved to play tennis. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been following him for a while. And what I've noticed with him is his constant progression. Um, This year, I think, you know, Carlos last year would have lost way earlier in Toronto or in um, um, Cincinnati. I think he has learned how to sort of, even when he's not playing well, to Mm -hmm. win. As Brad Gilbert would say, win ugly. <laughs> Everyone go by the book, not a plot. Um, but he's kind of learned how to do that. And again, like you said tonight, you know, Carlos does this thing. It's 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 almost like he gets day. loose, or like his his mind. He's like huh, goes elsewhere. It's a butterfly. <laughs> oh, I lost the set. Oh, okay. I guess I better. Pick. You know, he just he loses sets. Like, oh, I dropped it, and you're just like, why did you do that? <laughs> Like, because the first set before that was you, you were completely locked in. So what what happened? You know? Um, but he's learning how to sort of hold it together a little bit mm-hmm. more. So even when he's not playing his best, or even when he just drops it a little bit, he can recover it quickly. Because you like like you said, I think last year it would have been a five setter for sure. Mm-hmm. It would have been like oh, at least a four, yeah, yeah. at least a four. Because like, Lloyd Harris is Lloyd Harris is is good enough to dig in, yeah, and get get some balls back. So. 
but good good that Sinner and Alcarez have progressed. Um, the progression of somebody we haven't talked about at all, and this kind of ties into Sitsipas, um, future world number one for the umpteenth time, Novak Djokovic. Uh, when the tournament ends, just because he didn't play last year and he mm-hmm. won his first round match, he'll leave the tournament world number one, regardless of what Alcarez does yeah. or what his results are, Djokovic, in the U.S. Open this year. But he's looked workmanlike, as he always does in the first two rounds. But his draw to get to the semis <laughs> is about as easy of a draw that I can remember since watching tennis. I mean, his next his next matchup on Friday is against 32 seed Laszlo Jerry, also a Serbian, and the winner of the Djokovic and Jerry match takes on Borna Gojo and Yuri Vesley for a spot in the quarterfinals. And if I'm Novak Djokovic and his team, I'm kind I'm not taking it for granted, but I'm also looking like, okay, here's an op- opportunity for me to break that 24 record of Margaret Court of like all time Grand Slams, men or women, and then also pick up another US Open because yeah. it's been a couple years since he won one. Yeah, so. no, totally. Um, again, I I could not have picked an easier draw for him. <laughs> um, it was kind of crazy, even if every seated player made it. It was. I, I remember the draw came out. I was like, "Are they serious? Like, yeah, who made? This? They're doing. Did they're doing some backtracking it? for him not getting into the country last year. That's what. It yeah, they were like, like, "Oh, we feel bad. <laughs> you know, throw him a bone because he's not and good already." <laughs> the players on that half of the draw are throwing him a lot of bones because Tsitsipas lost in five sets to Dominic Stricker in the second My round. Favorite person. Isn't he cool? Never seen him before. I love him. He's great. He's. He he has the build of another Swissman that we've talked about already, Warinka, yeah. mm-hmm. just chesty and kind of like you wouldn't necessarily walk past and be like, oh, he's a tennis player, you know? Yeah. Um, but he's cool, calm, and collected. Knows the lyrics to Whitney Houston, "I Want to Dance uh, with Somebody." I saw which... a video of him singing that, and I was like, "That's it. I'm buying stock." Whoever it's the small you, things. I will follow It's the small you. things, and he's a lefty, so he has like the spin and stuff like that. And he saved match points in his efforts in the qualifying rounds. And I feel like, you know, we've seen that happen for players where they feel like they're playing with house money. Yeah. And he probably felt like he had little to lose in that match against Sissipas. And Sissipas, unfortunately, is a player that, similar to what I've said on the podcast before about Francis Tiafo, the guys ranked in in him in his top 10 era, obviously take him as a threat because he's a good player. But the rest of the field ranked below, look at him as an opportunity as well because right. we – we can't help but see some of the some of the performances he puts in. And I feel like Dominic Stricker was aware of that. Right. And, and it, you know, literally, if you just watched him eating his little like energy bar and singing <laughs> that song, he couldn't if he lost it, he was fine. If he that was the furthest he ever, he, that he'd ever gone um, at a slam before. And if he won it, great, even better. And to have that sort of relaxed nature in a match can also help you a lot. So you're not mm-hmm. stressed. You're not like, oh my goodness, I have to win this. Um, and then, you know, if we want to talk about Sissy Pass a little bit, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, where do we go? Like, where does he go from here? Because he's made a statement that in the very truncated amount of time he's lost his, or he's distanced himself from his dad as a coach, brought on, um, What's my um, guy's name? Mark Philippoussis. Philippoussis. And in the press conference, he's like, oh, that's done already after the loss against Stricker. And it's like, uh, do we need some self-reflection? Like, what's actually going on in that camp, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I was really happy when I heard about the sort of coaching switch because after Rome, 
because I've seen some very uncomfortable moments in the camp before, but the one in Rome, I was like, you're too old for this. Like what is happening? (laughs) Like you're a professional (laughs) tennis player. You're a professional. Top two or top three. Yeah. 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 And this is happening. This is not like your local, you know, volleyball competition where the parents are like, this is on a world stage. And I just thought it was not good for him. Um, And, you know, I've I've read some different reports about what he said in the press conference of it being sort of like it was always planned. He was only going to be here for the U.S. Open swing, which, again, Mm. you know, part of it, you know, it's it's really funny when you see coaches of the nature of a Mark Filipusis or even, you know, Carlos Alcaraz coach um, Juan Carlos Ferrero, who Mm. have families, have kids. And how do you then follow a player Three hundred sixty across the globe. World, uh, yeah. uh, three hundred sixty-five days a year across the globe, constantly. It can be really mm-hmm. tough. So you know, I kind of understood the whole sort of maybe we could switch back and forth between Dad and Mark or whatever. But he needs stability, something. Yeah. You know, I almost said cleanse. I'm like, just cleanse. <laughs> and Please, the baby. the relationship with Paula Badosa doesn't seem to be helping. And for either of them, actually, because Paula Badosa has barely played since they've yeah. been public and Sissy Pass has not looked great since they've gone public. So, yeah, I feel like everybody, including us, like people that watch tennis are grasping at straws as to what's going yeah. on with him. It's because he was marketed and he looked for all intents and purposes like a future French Open champion and somebody that could hang with Djokovic and Nadal and Federer. He has wins over all of them, I think. And, so, even, you know, because. You know, I'll, I'll look at someone like Zverev and I'm like, well, you know, he did go through his injury and he, mm-hmm. he is on sort of a comeback trail. But I'm like, how do those guys look at a Carlos or a sinner? Who's passed say, them up? Yeah. <laughs> look at the ship. It's it's literally passing you by. Yeah. Literally skipping you over, you know. So I wish him all the best. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we we push forward, so yeah. um, we won't. We probably won't get a result on that Medvedev match by the time this episode wraps up, because no, we're going to look Med- forward to. Um, yeah, you you see it. Yeah, Medvedev's up four two in the fourth. So I mean, I hope he closes that out and takes care of Christopher O'Connell. But you never know. Mm-hmm. It's a late night on Armstrong. Um, but I'll I'll give the result of that on the next episode. So. Uh, looking forward to Friday, the first Friday of the U.S. Open. We've already mentioned some matches that are going to be taking place on Ash. Mm-hmm. That's going to be uh, Jennifer Brady and Wozniacki. They follow Tommy Paul and Davidovich Fokina. In the night session, we get Coco Golf back on Ash at night against Elisa Mertens. And that should be interesting, I believe, because Lisa Mertens has saved match points in both of her first round and second round matches. Yeah. She beat Danielle Collins in the second Ooh, one. That and then, yeah. I can imagine that was feisty. <laughs> and then closing out Ash night session is a Novak Djokovic versus Jerry. Um, Louis Armstrong is opened by the match you're going to tomorrow, you said? Muhova and Townsend? Yes, yes. Excited for that one. Really excited for that one. You know, again, Muhova is on a little bit of an unexpected easy run. So, it's been the best season of her career. Yeah. yeah. But even, uh, you know, after uh, Cincinnati um, and the finals there, it was kind of, um, I didn't know what she would look mm-hmm. like coming in. Um, it seemed like she was struggling. I mean, she was taped up. She, arms were taped. <laughs> Shoulder was taped. Leg was taped. And it's like, oh, no. Um, and then she just comes in. It's it's almost like Rebecca. Rebecca during Toronto, uh, Montreal, Cincinnati, 
mm-hmm. you were you were like she said she was done yeah she, she said, said she was, she was just, done and yeah. um i think o'connell's about to break back he's bleeding now on court <laughs> he's he's bleeding a uh, little shades of layla versus radicano sure. in 2021 Oh, this this sport, man, this sport. Um, I love tennis. I literally was like, oh, three sets. We got it. <laughs> and, you know, these guys said, no, it's 1 a.m. in New York right care. now. <laughs> the crowd is still there, you know. And the honey Deuce is alive. Yeah. The Honey Deuce is alive. Uh, Daniil is drinking pickle juice. <laughs> and, you know, O'Connell's it's a show. getting his leg taped. <laughs> It's a show. Um, hopefully they get out of Armstrong in enough time for them to clean the stadium and make way for that Townsend and move of a match, which is um, followed by Swiatek playing her good friend that she's um, said they're friendly on tour, Kaya Yuvon, who yeah. qualified. It's into the third round. Six love six after, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you expect that match to be six love six one? They, I think they played at the French Open a year or two ago, and I think there was a bagel involved. So, yeah. um, <laughs> prepare yourselves. Uh, follow following that one is Tiafu taking on Manorino. What are your thoughts about that one? That's gonna be, you know, this I think is might be the first true test for mm-hmm. for Tiafo. I think his first two matches. I mean, if he if he didn't go through easy in his first two matches, we were going to have conversations. Yep. We were like, <laughs> you know, then what? Um, but I think Manorino is uh, is going to be a test. I happened to actually watch Manorino's last match with uh, Fabian Marjan, where he was a set down and then just lit it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he with the front facing tweener, he he just became a different person, and then he won. You know. Um, so Manorino does have that in him. He has that sort of like almost aggression and like, I will win this match and I will go forward for it. So it will be up to Tiafo to fight that. I think Manorino maybe has not dealt with the American crowd for Tiafo because they're loud. Mm. Um, so we'll see how he handles that. He might love being the underdog in that situation. So I think this will be the first test for Tiafo. And if he gets out of it, then I will start believing that okay. he can do something if anything again special yeah. unfortunately um for all the american men fritz you know <laughs> paul him they're all in a collision course they're mm-hmm. all gonna either all in that same of the draw even all, shelton yeah all four of them shelton. so it's it's like you know in the end Djokovic will take you out <laughs> well at least let's 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 hope for a fun ride until we get there. i really hope so i really we mentioned so. fritz and fritz is after tiafo and armstrong and then I'll, I'll probably be able to get my eyes on what rabakana looks like at the u.s open this year because she closes out armstrong yeah, and she has Veronica Stea. she has really looked great so it, okay. it almost was like nothing happened <laughs> and you know I, I you know the thing with her is and it's fine it's it's just not everyone has to be Carlos Alcaraz and mm-hmm. play through the night and five sets and do it again tomorrow. And like, God, <laughs> she needs her time. She needs her recovery. She doesn't like to play at night. She's very, she seems like a very sort of simple, quiet, like, you know, I think people try and make fun of her because she doesn't like celebrate her wins and everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure yeah. she loves all her wins. And is- I'm part of the crowd of doing that. I'm not making fun of her, but it's not my favorite thing to see. Oh, totally. you know? Me neither. You know, it's not my favorite thing to see, but for some reason, unlike Shriantek, who I really could care less for, um, <laughs> I see. I don't know why I have this sort of mothering thing about. I can see that because she's so docile looking I know. or feeling. And yeah, I like, can see that. Don't 
attack my child. <laughs> but, you know, so she does have this sort of quiet energy about her. Um, and I think she just needs a little bit more time to recover than most, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a tall girl and the game is big. Yeah. Yeah. The game is big, so she has a lot of things using going that for. shoulder. You know, everyone asks, yeah. it's always taped. I'm like, cause she's using it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's using and it. she's won a lot of matches this year. Yeah. Indian Wells champ, Rome champ, finalist at Australian Open. So yeah, she's 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 coming into form. It'll be nice to see what happens if the if the draw persists. And I think that would be a, a matchup with Sviatic again. But then Sviatic would have to beat Coco. I'm not necessarily yes. rooting for that either. So yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> <sighs> we'll see. Well, this has been a fun recap of day three and four, Anastasia. Thank you for taking the time out to come onto the podcast for the first time. Before we go, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter because you are, like you said before we recorded, you're going every day. I'm so it'll be, a, it'll be fun to watch your bird's eye view of what's so going on. <laughs> if you want to watch my sort of obsession with Arthur Fees or, you know. <laughs> oh, he took a loss I know today. he took a loss today, but oh, it was so fun to watch him in, in yeah. the two matches that I saw. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's my name. A underscore my last name, F-O-L-O-R-U-N-S-O. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, I used to have a podcast. You can listen to old episodes of it. And maybe I'll come back. You never know. Non-traditional. Yes. Non-traditional. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you can come back on Tune Into Tennis anytime you want. So oh, yay. Enjoy- I've enjoyed the conversation for sure. Same, same. Um, I might actually have to sleep, but... This sleep is important, especially in this heat. Huh? In this, sleep is important with this heat and the little things, the whatever's going on at the U.S. Open. Sleep is important. Sleep is Medvedev, important. Medvedev can wait. I guess he can. <laughs> but this is why you love the U.S. Open because right the one a.m. on on you know Louis Armstrong is like let's do it. It draws you in. It Look draws at this you in. Crowd, they're loving it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Talk to you next episode. Bye. Bye bye. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.